So you know what? I've been thinking a lot about Mr. Pat. What, what's that? Ethics, what policy, school year's coming up, school year's starting. Uh, say that. We still have summer. Sorry, we're, we're, never, <laughs> we're teachers, never over the summer, but but like what are what are departments gonna do and and how are people preparing? You know, I think it's you, you there's that Facebook poll you saw where there's people that are just like, we don't know what's going on. You mean with uh life or do you mean with AI or what what like is that what you mean? Like how well, I think I think I think what if you're a teacher, do I present to my students that they're gonna hate? That is that what you're saying? <laughs> I think if you're a teacher, AI's life, and you're like, like, what are we gonna yeah. do? You know? Yeah. Um, but you know what's cool? What's that? Today on the show, we've got someone that is a department head. So I think that maybe she Ooh. might be able to like give us some insight Thanks. into uh policy and AI and English departments and and therefore I think other departments as well. Fantastic. That sounds great. Welcome to the show. This is the Bot Brothers AI for Educators. I'm Mike Pearson. And I'm Pat Burns. As promised, we have um we have a, a special guest on the show today that we think is gonna have some interesting perspectives. Because not only has she taught English, and um, we have not had an English teacher. It's always been us English teachers. So it's going to be fun to have that. But not only has she taught English, she's also in a leadership position. Uh, she's a department head. So massive experience. She's a U of, U of I grad or, or Roosevelt University uh, MA in literature. So um, kudos for the, for the lit degree and the master's. I have one of those myself. Um, and also some more Roosevelt stuff. So um, we are, we've got all Chicago here. Props for Chicago. We haven't done that in a while. Um, so we have Lauren Katzman. Um, and Lauren, uh, do you want to fill in anything about your, your educational history or anything that you care to highlight that, that maybe I didn't? Sure. I was a um, high school English teacher for five years, actually, in the school that I went to as a high schooler. Um, and then I switched districts. I'm in a unit district, and I just finished my 16th year as a division head. Well, and I got one kind of burning question because I was looking at your your resume, and it says that you lead band, orchestra, choir, and drama. Is that, are you is, is like a, in the department head position, or are you a musician? All at or, once, Mike. All at once. Yes. I, I so, teach English and all the fine arts. I've got all of the performing arts and EL as well. Oh my okay. god! All right, so this is going to be interesting, Pat. As far as like what um, what questions we compose. Um, I've I, I got some burning ones I, I, I want to jump on right away, but I'm going to wait. That's no <laughs> building tension. Nice. nice. Yeah, building tension. Uh, let's just start with the easy ones. Um, so, so far, you know, where, where are you and where are your department at with the rise of AI or the potential rise of AI and, and chat GPT and, and Bing's now like all fully loaded and Google um, where are you at and where's your department at? And like, I kind of also want to hear about what the, you know, the fine arts people, you know, as we haven't had a fine arts person on, like what, what's your perspective? So I think everyone's in all different places as you know, I think is true across education. You know, some of us started playing with it right around winter break when, you know, the chat GPT came out. Some people haven't mm -hmm. really tried it yet. Um, and there's also different levels of concern with it or different levels of excitement. Um, and I think it's really interesting across the division how many different perspectives there are. Um, I would say the performing arts teachers are far less concerned about it than the English teachers, right? Um, you know, they don't think that necessarily that's going to be a problem for them. But like a lot of English teachers, you know, we're worried about how students are going to use that, what that means for our curriculum and for our day-to-day -day practice. Um, and ready for some change. Okay. So, so no, no fears of like robots, the musical yet is what I'm hearing. Is that a... Not that I know of. I haven't heard about that. <laughs> and, and there's no, have, have you heard about, um, there's, there's some pretty interesting music generators, like Google has one that with words you can prompt like, I want like jazzy, like bebop, you know, quartet, and then it'll create something that sounds like that. Um, or there's even um, something called, it's, it's kind of like voice stamping where, like I could go sing a song and then I could go stamp an actual like person, like a good person on that. 
and it would sound like them. Like that, that seems like something interesting as far as like if I was a music teacher. Um, have, have you heard anyone talking about that type of stuff? No, I haven't heard that yet. I haven't even heard that that was possible. Um, so that's really interesting. It would be, you know, as I'm just thinking in my head, um, it'd be really interesting to see what the the generator does in terms of following the rules of music theory, um, because we do have a music theory class um, and seeing, you know, what it knows about that and where we the students might choose differently. It's an interesting, interesting way to, huh. to think about it. Um, I don't hmm. think it can do notation. Well, at this point, no. But I wonder. I wonder if someone's working on that. It, I would think. I, someone, I mean, they, if they're smart, they would at some point. Maybe we just had like new, uh, the new million dollar idea. Maybe we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna package it. Spotify we're, has we're that AI DJ others. that's kind of terrible. And maybe um, eventually it can give them feedback about their playing or their singing. I mean, there's yeah. so many possibilities there. Right. Yeah. I. I. I we, we need to find a. A, a music teacher or something to talk about that space. Um, so you're, you're like everyone else, your teachers are all, all over the place. Um, do, you, do you have any idea what your plan is going forward? Or, you know, like, have you been talking to other people in leadership positions about what they what they plan on doing here and um, I mean, coming up very, very rapidly in school year starting? So I know that our district curriculum office is looking into, um, you know, a lot of PD so we can figure out the best ways to um, incorporate AI k 12 because we want to be real intentional about that. Um, for now, I have been talking to the division about it, and we've had challenges across the years, like many schools, with um, students using assistance to write their essays, you know, even before AI was, sure, in this sure. case, was a, a thing. So we talked about how we're going to teach students next year and also teach parents what mm -hmm. we consider acceptable use on the whole and why it's important. So um, let, let me ask this then, Laura. So kind of taking that into account, like I guess the, my question is kind of two-parter, uh, which is like, so taking that in mind, is there, does that mean that the, that the school, if not the district at large, does have a, uh, like a, or what, what is their kind of level of urgency with that? And then two, taking that into account, the, the sense of urgency or not, uh, the the idea of kind of communicating to students and parents about you know how to use it, when to use, it, et cetera, is that something that you guys are looking to do pretty much from the, the get-go or kind of mid-semester or second semester? Like what is there obviously things change in school, we know that, but like is there a certain time frame you guys are kind of shooting for or we're hoping to deliver the information to students and then send it out to parents within the first few weeks of school. Um, okay. the English department said that, you know, we would do it, though it really applies to really all of their courses, especially as new things come about and it can be used across a variety of disciplines. Okay. Um, but we worked together and we developed a presentation really just on academic integrity itself. What mm -hmm. is it? Why is it important? What does it look like when you have it? What does it look like when you aren't being, you know, following the rules of academic integrity? And then what are some ways we can use AI that still fit within that framework? Did you use AI to create this? We did not. <laughs> so it probably right. would have been a good idea looking back. Um, yeah. Uh, can you, what, what are some examples? Of, I mean, are, are you at the point where you could share like some of the examples of things that you think are, are uses and misuses and ethical use and unethical use? Sure. Well, we kind of started off of a graphic from Ditch That Textbook, which mm -hmm. had kind of a continuum of ways to use AI from you know, student was brainstorming or, you know, all the way to student put in a prompt and copied exactly what, you know, AI right. gave them and turned that in. Um, and so we kind of decided as a department for most things, unless a teacher says otherwise, where along this continuum would we consider it AI generated and not the student's work? And where would we consider it um, where it's the student's work with maybe some help from AI? Um, so we started there and then tried to think of at least some ways that the students could use AI in that process um, to do great things. So if you are writing a persuasive argument, you could ask it for what kinds of um, kind of subtopics you'd have to prove in your essay in order to prove your thesis. Um, they can look for research using AI, but we also know that if AI can't find the research, it makes it up. 
So, you know, we have to teach them kind of that that's a a pitfall that they need to be careful of. Um, Mm -hmm. They can ask it how to cite things in MLA format. You know, they Mm -hmm. can have it edit their essay. All of those things are great uses and probably some things that they're using other programs for already, some of them. So it kind of just brings it all into one place. Have have you played I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Pat. No, you probably have a better question than I do. I don't know. I think it's going on my head. Uh, I think I was thinking about like the, the the way in which you kind of explained that the students, like all the, the the uses. I mean, you can use case studies, examples. Are there? I guess what I'm wondering is like to what extent, especially if you've got teachers who, like you said before, are some are jumping on and taking paying attention, and some are really kind of just unaware. Mm-hmm. You know, the the delivery of this information. Like what I guess what was organizationally like. What kind of work would we need to be done at the at the teacher level so that when teachers are talking about it, they're not misspeaking or misrepresenting what it can even do. I think that's what makes it hard because it keeps evolving so quick that like, yes. I'd be surprised if I shared something with my students and some students said, hey, Mr. Burns, there's actually this new thing that AI can do that. I'm like, oh, I didn't know it was a thing. And I'm like, now I got to rethink this. And so like, I don't know, I, I'm not sure if, the, if there's much thought to like how to um, make sure that the, the staff itself kind of generally knows what's going on when mm-hmm. there's such a disparity in terms of engagement with it. I think that's what's been tough about the last probably three to four years um, in any type of educational leadership position is that the technology has been evolving so fast. And, you know, when we had students learning from home, we had to jump on technology and we all had to know it so quickly. And this is kind of the same thing because our students are getting it more quickly than some of us. Um, So how in a leadership position to make sure that you have all the knowledge so you can lead others to then teach the kids. Um, and mm-hmm. I know I don't know all of it, you know, as I'm sure. looking of lists of ways that are different yeah. AI programs, you know, and mm-hmm. the music ones that you talked about. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. Um, but there has to be a lot of PD around it. Right. So, so then does that mean that, that whatever policy, it, would it be fair to say that any policy or policies that you create would have to be, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, flexible or open enough for um, uh, I guess, uh, uh, amendment and that sort of thing, and not so necessarily rigidly set in stone, like I feel like most policies in high schools tend to be. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it just seems like because it's moving so fast, like there, I've always kind of thought that AI forces us to just learn to be more nimble organizationally. Mm-hmm. And, and, we, and it's hard for us to do it because we're so used to kind of just setting our ways and sticking to it. But it's like, this doesn't really apply here. It doesn't make sense to do that practically. I agree with you that things are going to change so fast. Um, but I think one of the important things is that we get at least a shared understanding for now, because I think one of the worst things that can happen is that a student in good faith, let's say, writes an essay, and they've used AI in a way that they do not consider right. to be cheating. And then a teacher says to them that it is and doesn't right. accept their work or makes them redo their work. Um so it's almost like you have to put that line down unless the teacher wants to teach their students to use it in another way or is open to you know, helping students learn something or says, here's the ways you can use it in this assignment. Because I never want it to affect a student negatively when they have done something in good faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Pat, you had, I think there's an interesting um, conversation you had a couple of weeks ago at a uh, like a birthday party or something with a parent that was an attorney about using AI in class. Trying to think some... oh, go ahead. What, what do you recall? Because I remember, I think I know who you're talking about. It was a businessman. Um, but I'm was it a think... business person? I thought, it was, I thought it was a lawyer, but, yeah. but either way, but, but, but they indicated something about plagiarism. Oh, he, he brought up, um, he said, well, wouldn't you have to start to re- like look at redefining what plagiarism even is? And, and I, I thought it was a, a worthwhile question because I think to your point, like Lauren, you said a second ago, so like use, I think using AI for say, MLA works side of page, making sure the notation's right, that, that doesn't sound like plagiarism to me, right? Mm-hmm. But we, it gets a little murkier, doesn't it? If, if you say, take a body paragraph and run it through AI, and, and maybe you're using Grammarly and it's giving you suggestions. And then does that count as a, does that count as plagiarism? Like, I'm not so sure that I would count that, but some teachers might say, no, absolutely. Cause you're pulling information from elsewhere, not citing that it's from Grammarly. I'm like, well, 
But if it's a word just to help you kind of like make a sentence clear like that, to me, that doesn't make sense that, that you're you're stealing anything. You're just, it, I mean, it'd be no different than if say a, a peer was giving you recommendations, right? Um, that, that, those are kind of my thoughts, but but I don't know. I'm not sure. I feel like that's a live issue. I don't know what to make with that yet. You know, any impressions? Students have been using Grammarly for a couple of years now. And it's mm -hmm. something that we've accepted. And I think the writing or the teachers of writing have accepted and are okay with. So it'd be interesting if then using that same idea, but on a different platform became plagiarism. I think there would be a, a big problem with that because it's really doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, AI just gives us the opportunity to, you know, take what was on Sparknotes and what was on Grammarly and what was, you know, in all these places that students might have grabbed information from and puts it in one place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, so is it, do they cite the AI system they used that created the, the output as a source? Like, I think, I think MLA came down and they said, I think one, either AP or MLA said that you do. And one of them said, well, no, because it's not an actual source. <laughs> like it created it. Um, and then I, I, it's, it's this, it's this spectrum, right? Like you've got, you've got like totally plagiarized over here and like kind of, you know, well, minor, and then you've got the Grammarly stuff. Right. And then, well, what if it rewrites a whole paragraph or, and then, and then what if it rewrites like a chunk of the paper, you know, like, it, but the whole thing is obviously plagiarism, but then there's like this continuum. Mm -hmm. And then one might argue that um, having it just brainstorm ideas that you didn't have before. Well, isn't isn't at its core like intellectual honesty being about like whose idea it is? I read something interesting a while back, and I can't remember where it was from, um, but it was making the argument that nothing AI creates should be considered plagiarism because plagiarism is taking ideas from another person. Yeah. Whereas this is a computer. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that even muddies the water first further. Right. And I think that's what I was kind of thinking about is like, you don't have to cite it because it's, it's not a human. It's not well, intellectual. Not only that, but like, think open. about this, like not only that, but think about this. What if, because I mean, we've been, I, I imagine you can put in the same prompt, you know, into any sort of these, these chat yeah. GPT bars or whatever, and it can still give you different results. So plagiarism is like, if you're citing things so that you can verify to your point, learn about how like, or Mike's point about like, one of the these systems, APA or MLA, said, "Well, you're not really citing the source because, like, you could plug in the same thing and it might give you a different answer. Which case, you can't go back and like say, here, there it is on page whatever or on this URL, like, because it's not there. It, it's it's just poof, it's gone because the algorithm has shifted. There's more information in the system. It's going to kick out something different the next time. So, like, how do you? So, I, I mean, that the 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 plagiarism checkers are have been shown, you know, from the New York Times on down that like they're they're specious and and." And I've looked at them and they seem like they kind of work, but then there are all these false positives. So then how do you really, how do you, to your point, Lauren, I mean, if you have a kid who's trying to edit or work on a paper and then functioning in good faith, but you know, called out for plagiarism when that plagiarism, when it's just not quite right. I don't, it, it's just so complicated. I don't, I don't know what you do about that. So one of the things I've kind of been kicking around for my own teaching, um, I teach a senior dual credit writing class mm -hmm. is, when they turn in something and they do multimedia, which makes it a little bit harder for them to use AI um, right. for some of their assignments, but they do do a persuasive and they do do an informative. Um, having them, if they've used AI in any way, kind of detail after their essay, what did you do? Yeah. Yep. And what, what was kind of the output that you got? How did you use that mm -hmm. to make them not only more honest with it, because I think that promotes honesty. We can talk about how they used it, um, but how did you incorporate it? And it gets them to think about what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I did something similar. Like there was a whole lot of, like I was, it was almost like I was more interested in how they were using the tools and what they learned from them. And even, even like how they leveraged the tool to figure out how to do something in writing, you know? Um, you, and now you can, ex, you can have chat GPT export um, their chat. But mm -hmm. but you're you're not, I don't think you can do that with Bing and there's other AI programs right so it's kind of like whack a mole, um, but but it, it started making me think like this it was really fun last semester as kids were learning about AI and how to use it, but I'm thinking like five years from now are we still gonna be asking like what what prompts did you use what tools did you use especially now that like Google will just write stuff for you like you know as you start start writing, um, so I've been thinking a lot about 
um, the, the phrase post plagiarism has been kind of bandied about a little bit, like there's no such thing. And then uh, Pat and I in our last episode with uh, uh, was William, right, Grooby, um, we, we were talking about there was a student recently that I saw a blurb and somewhere online, Harvard grad, and she was talking about use of AI. And she's like, I, I did everything because I, I was just at Harvard to learn how to like venture capital or a founder or something like that. And if it wasn't that, I was just getting, getting things done, right? And then we, we were kind of talking about like, well, there's the transactional nature of, of what schools do. Like you write this essay to get this point, to get this grade. And then there's the like, no, there's the learning aspect, right? And I think for me, something that the AI stuff really highlights, and this has always been true in English classrooms, and I suspect, you know, everywhere, every classroom, that there's kids that really want to learn the skills. There's kids that just want to get through the class to get to the next thing, right? But, or and, so, so AI just kind of makes that transactional bit like way easier to do. And going back to what the businessman or the attorney said is like, well, what is plagiarism? Like if, if, if AI can create a completely serviceable 12th grade paper, and when you go into the workforce, you're just going to use AI to write your stuff. Well, <laughs> do we need to redefine what the English department does? I think in terms of writing, what it pushes for is more of a writing workshop type mm. of system because mm -hmm. if you're really sitting down with your kids throughout the writing process and you're seeing how everything progresses and you're giving them feedback along the way and they're talking to you about their process i think they're far less likely to go to ai and just ask it to produce something if they mm -hmm. know that you're working with them um, mm -hmm. and seeing it along the way mm -hmm. well and that seems to go back to that i mean we've talked a number of times about how uh, kind of developing one's own voice as a writer is important. Learning how to clarify your own thoughts. I, I don't think you ever really, um, uh, I, well, I think students want to be able to do that. I mean, I mean, how many assignments, I'm assuming that in your classroom um, that you had situations where, you know, you, you give students space to kind of do a creative free write or whatever. And they're like, oh my God, I've never been able to do this. Or it's been so long that I've had a chance to do this. And they love it because they're like, I finally get to say what I want to say, especially mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think for us, especially for teenagers, like they love giving us their opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, and they have no problem with that. It's just, it's just sometimes they, I guess the parameters we set up aren't necessarily to their liking uh, because it's like, oh, well, give me your opinion on, you know, Huck Finn. And they're like, I didn't like the book. What else do you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> so, but if they, uh, you know, if you ask them about, you know, uh, some sort of pop star or something, they might, they might go on and on and on, right? And, they're, and they are passionate about it. So, uh, that that student voice thing, I think that that's where, to Mike's point about making it less transactional, make it maybe more relational. And I think that your point too, Lauren, about workshop or doing more of a workshop makes a lot that makes a lot of sense to me. I think it also challenges us to look at our curriculum and take an honest look at are we right. providing those prompts mm -hmm. or those opportunities for students to write about something they care about? Because if mm -hmm. they don't care, sure they can go straight to AI. They have nothing to say, and they don't. They're not going to use it in any way. But if we ask them to write something about their world that they're passionate about, well, they might just write that essay because they have something to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm in full agreement with that. And then I'm thinking, like how, like I'm thinking, like so you've got eight semesters of English in high school, right? And just say on average two to three papers per, right? So 24, 25. Like you have to have 24, 25 different things that you're passionate about. You know, which is a challenge when you, you just think about professional writers, like just trying you know, the writer's block and trying to write about something. And, um, and I've been, I've been teaching for 20, 21 years. And like that whole, like what a kid's passionate about something anyone is when they have that exigence, they write really great stuff. Mm -hmm. But I haven't seen a kid be able to do it over and over, <laughs> you know, like you get those really brilliant pieces and you're just like, wow, you know, from kids of all level. And then you just get a lot of just kids just doing the best they can. Um, I think, Pat, in one of the previous episodes, you talked about creating um, essential questions for your units, wasn't it? When you yeah, were I, asking it to, to help sure. you with curriculum. Yep. And I think that one of the great things about if you really do those essential questions right, is there's so many ways to go under it, that mm -hmm. hopefully under each of those questions, maybe you create, if we're really on point, they're going to find something mm -hmm. that they can be passionate about. So at least it kind of guides them in different directions. Right. Um, yeah, not I mean, everyone's going to be excited about everything. Right. right. 
Right. And what I think that's part of the problem with how we tend to run things, right? That it's like, here's this one book and everyone's going to read it and we're expecting you to like it. It's like, eh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's so many classics that even, you, you know, I, I have you had that experience where like you read a book in school and then you come back to it as an adult and you're like, oh my God, it's so much better than I thought. Mm-hmm. Or the opposite that you loved it in high school. And then you come back later, and you're like, eh, whatever. It's, it's just not resonating because it's just where you're at in your life. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't think that we stop to think about that too much. Like, how, and I don't know how you really predict that, but I think the problem, problem is we, we're just saying, well, you have to know this one thing. It's like, well, I mean, there's so many things out there. So like, why this one thing as opposed to another? And right. why not it let be on more of their terms? I, that's just kind of where I'm coming from because I want them to be uh, in their own learning. And so like, why not give them the space to like entrust them to kind of figure that out? But there's a third one in there too, Pat. There's the, there's the book that, or the thing that you were forced to do that you didn't want to do and you're dragged kicking and screaming. And you come out the other end and you're still thinking about it two years later or five sure. years later. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm all about student you don't choice. Have, but you can't get sleep over it. I know it's that. Kind yeah. Of I'm all about student choice, but sometimes man, you just, you don't even know like what it is sure. you're supposed to, you know, like, man, I mean, there is, there is, I had some, uh, Doc Hannes senior year at Stag high school, um, that I, my mom had saved a box of papers for some reason. I was an awful writer. But I found some ex- excerpt of, I wish I would have kept it, some excerpt, but he photocopied from somewhere and something philosophical. And I realized that like, I was, I was like 30 years old and I looked at it and I realized I've been mulling these ideas over since I was 18. Oh, wow. Right? That's awesome. I probably did, yeah, right. And, and I wouldn't even have known it had I not gone back and seen the piece. So I think sometimes when you're forced to read the book, you don't want to read. Yeah. Forced to write the paper, you don't want to write. I mean, there's... Like, I think the choice thing is great. I think sometimes, you, I mean, it's that, it's that old, old fashioned old man phrase about like, you don't even know what's good for you. Sure, sure. But you can't do that all the time. Either. You keep it like, I'm, you're just going to, you're just going to do all Shakespeare uh, and we're going to do Milton. And, you know, these are the greats and too bad. You got to read them. <laughs> you can't do that. Um, what I, I'm Lauren's like looking up like she's thinking she's like there's something on her mind <laughs> what, what, what's going on I'm her just mind thinking there? about how the texts that we've read and that we you know present in high school how they change over time too mm-hmm. um you know and there's certainly ones that through high school or college I remember loving um mm. but the person sitting next to me might have hated it yeah mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like you mentioned Milton I loved Milton I took two Milton classes mm-hmm. in college most people weren't going to take two Milton classes in college. No, that was just Ari- something that I oh, right. found myself in. Ariapagitica <laughs> was so hard, but so rewarding. <laughs> so we all fun. have that. Um, but if I hadn't have just stumbled onto it in one of my English classes and someone made me read something, I wouldn't have known right. that yeah. I liked it. Chaucer yeah. is hilarious. I never would have known. Oh my that. God, he's so yeah. funny. I found with Chaucer actually that there is a, um, so there's the, I think it's the Raphael Burton, I think I got the name right, like edition. I remember reading that thinking, oh my God, this is brilliant and so darn funny. Uh, but there was a previous version I remember reading and the translation just wasn't as great. I'm like, right. eh. same thing with Beowulf is like, I had the same experience where like the Seamus Haney one's fantastic, but then other ones just don't really seem to measure up for, for, you know, for my taste, which I thought was interesting, but. Uh, I got a, I got a writing question for you. Um, I, I've been thinking a lot about like with this massive platform shift, um, the whole K through 12, you know, like kind of linkage at, at what point did kids get introduced to AI tools? Right. And they're going to see them at home, but for, for their homework. And then it, it I, I, you know, and do you, do you kind of gradually release them into it? It's like freshman year. They have at, you know, you can use that this way, senior year, you can have full use of everything, you know, whatever, depending, or I, I even thought about like, huh, do you run it like the fine arts department where you've got digital writing, but you also have like working with clay, right? Which would be just like writing with a pencil, you know? Um, I think about that a lot. And then I've been thinking about like, well, if if the the AI systems that are going to get better and better can create really good pieces of writing, you know, they're okay now, then is it the student's job to then just kind of select the best piece of writing you know, for that appropriate audience and, and does English teaching more turned into like being really good readers and really good thinkers, as opposed to really having to worry about writing a really killer sentence, you know, or having a really good idea. And, I, and that's the, fully knowing that, that writing helps you learn how to think. But I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Like, are, are we going to be um, not writing as much, writing more, doing it differently? Um, where are you at? 
Well, I certainly hope we're going to get past diagramming sentences. That would be lovely <laughs> if that disappeared from English instruction forever. Um, there are definitely I'm, some people in the audience who are cringing hearing you say that. I'm sure like, no, I love that. I hate it so much. Cursive. <laughs> Um, but I think we'll be doing more writing, but it's interesting that you talk about, you know, is it really a, a reading skill, which I hadn't thought of. Um, and then it's going to be synthesizing a lot as well. Um, if you're taking bits and pieces of things that, you know, AI generates and really revision then, because yeah. as of right now, AI doesn't do a great job with voice. You know, when we talked about putting voice into writing. It's robotic. You can tell a lot of the time that it was written by AI. So how do they take that and make it in their voice, which actually might be harder than just writing in their own voice to start with. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and more time consuming. And the idea is that if you're using it, you're hoping to save time uh, <laughs> rather than make it more difficult. And, and Mike, I remember you actually, you had that issue, like your students, your AP students, I think picked up on that, right? That they yeah. were having it try to kind of generate a and essay, but yeah, this isn't anything good. I just, I, it's easier for me just to write the thing, yep. uh, which that was interesting. They're, they're beyond it. Um, yeah. I, I come from a, a music background, and a lot of the stuff that you do with music now is like, you know, you, you, you cut and paste and move stuff around and select different beats and whatnot. Um, so you kind of have to have a pretty deep musical knowledge to produce, to produce a good piece of music, right? And so I keep on thinking, like, is that where writing is going? Like, you'd have like a a bank of like all these uh, openings, different style openings, and you'd, you'd kind of read through and you'd, you'd drop it over in your essay and then you take a body one and you, and you, kind of, you kind of mix them. And then if you're a music producer, you start like EQing these things and morphing them so like they all flow together. I was like, are we gonna go into like, write, like everyone's a writing producer, not a writer? Hmm. No. That's really interesting. It's all, it's kind of like what we do when we're showing students examples or non-examples, yep. you know, before they go into a project or, or an essay, and then they have to talk about why something's good and why it's not, they would need to take it and then do that synthesis like you're talking about, yeah. which is a really high level skill. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, the, the, especially if you want, if you're like, oh, I kind of wanted it to sound a little bit like Fitzgerald meets DeLillo meets Coates. Right, you know, I want I want a mix of those styles. So you'd have to have like the knowledge of those writers to then put them together, you know, to like output something that's new. Well, then, well, then wouldn't that be? But rather than be like everyone's doing that, wouldn't it make more sense if the school system said, "Well, that is a track you can take, right, um, or not, right?" So that there's kind of like a right. standard track, and there's like this, like a tech, a tech digital writing. Yeah, digital writing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that actually makes sense to determine that. Um, th th that way there's some choice and it's not just like, I feel like that's the kind of the issue with educational times. We make things kind of all or nothing. It's like, it's like a one, one size fits all kind of thing. It's like, but AI allows you to personalize so much. So like, why wouldn't you lean into that rather than still just, just take as well. Now everybody does the same thing. It's like, no, like it doesn't have to be that kind of regimented. Um, I just, my, my, my thoughts there, but yeah. Pat sent me this spreadsheet that he found somewhere that had, it was hundreds, if not in the, in the thousands of different examples of photographers, like their name, and then three or four pictures. And it was for AI prompting. So like if you wanted something and what you, you kind of go through and look at the style and you could tell the, the, the image generator that you wanted in the style of, hmm. right? Remember that spreadsheet, Pat? Oh yeah, it, it was insane. Like I don't know who put it together, but it, it had every possible like style of photography you could think of. It was very overwhelming. But I could imagine, say, a student flipping through there and finding some styles that seemed to resonate for them and opening them up to a whole new worlds. And they're like, right. "Oh, I didn't know photography could do this. Now I, I want to try playing with that style." And then learning to kind of make it their own. I mean, Mike, you you said that you're a music guy, and then obviously with the the fine arts. Um, you know, kind of running that department uh, for you, Lauren, it seems to me that oftentimes music itself, it's, it's you, you mimic, right? Different uh, composers or, you know, bands or whatever, your songs. And, and then you start to kind of develop your style off of that. It's not that like you like come out the gates just like playing whatever the hell you want, right? That you're learning from masters uh, by playing their works first. And then you can kind of look to kind of maybe experiment and, and, and move on from there. I, I don't know, any thoughts in regards? Have, have you yeah. seen this sheet, Lauren? No, I haven't seen that one. I just pulled it up. Can I screen share? You might mind if I 
show you this thing. This is nuts. So, so here, can you see that? So now it's copy can, yeah. of mid journey photograph reference sheet, right? So all these different photographers, like this is kind of like their style. And, and the file is so massive, right? So if you're like, oh, I want to kind of do an Albert Watson, like if this is what you're looking for, you know, and I, I just wonder like, are we going to get to like writing that's like this is like Annie, Annie Dillard, you know, like um, uh, Flannery O'Connor, like name your writer and put them in there. Like, here's a little excerpt. Here's what they do. Right. But just like, just like having the access to like look through something like this. I mean, good Lord. It's so massive. It doesn't even load that quickly. I mean, so it will be something, it's something we already do, right? When we have students talk about text, we talk about the writer's style and, and sometimes we have them mimic that style as well. I mean, the visual nature of this, I think is a lot easier for students to comprehend and to, to mm -hmm. mimic, um, but they do it with text. I'm sure they do it with music that, you know, they find a yeah. composer that they like or a style that they like, and they decide that that's what they want to focus on. Well, yeah, I mean, like uh, uh, Milton did that. They used to copy essays and then they write their own in, in the style of, right? That's, a, that's an old thing, you know, it's just- That's actually an activity I've used in class before where I'll have them take, um, you know, like three to four pages worth in a book. Um, it was Erasmus was the person who did it. It's called Uncopia was the book. And he literally said, just copy out word for word, period for period to get a sense of that, that style. And people like Hemingway have done it. Uh, you know, Hunter S. Thompson have, has done it. In fact, Hunter S. Thompson had this story where he said, Oh, I took the Great Gatsby, wrote the entire thing from cover to cover because mm -hmm. he wanted to know what it was like to write a novel. And I was like, felt oh, like. And, and he's like, I was going to go ahead and pick one of the one of the best ones out there. Um, but before he became, because he was a journalist, before he could actually write his own book, he's like, well, I want to try this first. I, I always thought that'd be kind of cool to try out. Um, and students do pick up an awful lot uh, mm -hmm. because it slows them down. It forces them to pay attention um, and they can kind of see some of that nuance and, and, and then some of the choices or try to imagine what some of these choices may have been and why they, they were to use a particular word or kind of maybe split up a sentence the way that they did or whatever the case may be. Um, I'll throw a wrench in here. Yeah, um, we love wrenches. Of, of uh, where I'm coming from, yeah. I've been doing some reading about how AI widens the gap um, and makes okay. things more difficult for EL students. Um, mm -hmm. That a lot of what we're talking about, you have to have a mastery of the language Yep. and an understanding of the language to read what AI wrote to, to do that transfer um, so that you know our students who are native English speakers can do all this and can use these tools, but our EL students cannot. And they mm -hmm. might be trying to do some of the same assignments in the same classes. Right. That makes me wonder if we are going right back to doing content like we're going to read the, Amer the great American authors and the great Brit authors and the poets and just really know that stuff so well. So when you need to select from the style sheet, like the like one, the, the image one, like for writers, you know what to look for. And I'm like, whoa, that just means we're doing a lot of reading in class. And, you know, a lot of them, and I'm like, great, this is awesome. And we can start going to museums again too, you know? Um, but yeah, because if you don't have the body of knowledge, it's like, you can't do it. Like I tried, I tried to write like chat GPT prompts for biology that my wife teaches. And she's like laughing at me. She's like, you don't even know what you're talking about. You know, <laughs> you have to have that knowledge of the vocabulary, right. um, which, you know, you talk about, you know, the importance of prompt generation, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't have the right language for what you're trying to input, you're not going to get the output. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Um, well, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you wanted to jump to college board stuff or not. Yeah, I, I'm really, I'm intrigued. This is something that actually I've been wanting to, I, I, I've been wanting to talk about all day. <laughs> oh, let's go. So, uh, and feel free to, you know, amend my my question, Mike, uh, or, or modify. I'm really up. So, what's that? on your mind, Pat? What, well, what's on my mind? <laughs> what is this burning question? It's it's so burning. Um, so, uh, AP courses, right? Advanced placement. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I don't want to assume, Lauren, that you've taught them, but I'm guessing that you probably have at some point. Um, I know Mike and I uh, do teach them. Um, the, the college board had put out a whole kind of statement on the use of the AI, and essentially they're saying you can't. Um, I got it. There's yeah. some nuance to it. Uh, Mike, you pulling it up there? Yeah. Um, I'll just read, read the thing. It's just saying you know, that, that they're categorically prohibited from using yeah. any and all 
artificial intelligence tools. So then they specifically say ChatGPT and DALI um, or essay writing services. They mentioned Chegg, of course, Hero to guide brainstorm draft or create student work related to any AP assessment, uh, including written projects and performance tax tasks. And then they kind of go on from there um, and, and they reference specific courses. I guess my I, I'm, I'm a little unsure of how to read this is maybe ironic being an English teacher of the course, but like that the because I can read this in a few different ways, which is to say that they're saying any AP assessment. So do they mean the timed writings that I, that they have in class as like a way to as like formative, right? Does that count or no? Because I could see doing that and then using it as an opportunity to help that uh, they could use the AI to help kind of guide their writing and like how do you make it better. But if they're saying, no, you can't use it because it's, you know, we're just saying no, like it's a blanket no. Well, that seems to me that that's missing opportunity to leverage it to help help better teach the student, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I can appreciate, like, I understand that like AP art and design, I'm pretty, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Lauren, I'm pretty sure that they use for the final assessment that they, for the test, if you will, like, it's a portfolio. So like, yes. I understand not like you know, saying to like mid journey and just create my whole portfolio and I'm done. I get yeah. that. But I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts? You know what, Pat? This is for their exam. This is like exam day stuff. Is that? Well, I think also it yeah. when you look at AP seminar and AP research. Do you have those classes at Naperville? Yeah. Okay, so I think that's where it becomes really problematic because right. the student projects and writing that they do over a course of, you know, a semester become exactly. part of their score for their overall and research. It is the score. Mm -hmm. um, that they get. So when you're saying any and all categorically prohibited. Yeah, well, a, yeah, so you're going to do space. the rest of the world's using AI to help them do research and college board is like, no. Well, and we, does that put the onus on us? Like, how do I tell if a student has yeah. used it to brainstorm or if the student used it to edit their essay and, and to make sure grammar is correct? Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I no. don't know how we prove or disprove that. On that point, I mean, to Mike's point, if you look at the URL, it does say preparing for the exam. It's like exam security. So it is seemingly speaking specifically to the exam. But again, I mean, coming to like the, the, the all the work that we do in the classroom, are they saying that they prefer not to touch it at all? Like it, 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 there's a certain kind of naivete to me to, to think that students who, who are who are oftentimes and not every school, but certainly in ours and many others where they're given Chromebooks and they have access to the Internet. To think they're not going to use it on some level, or some students will on some level, right. is is like I mean you're burying your head in the sand. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, um, I'm going to use it regardless of what they think. So, yeah, I, I'm not saying I know the end. I'm just saying like I'm just kind of curious because you're you're running department departments plural really, right? Like I mean you got different uh, divisions if you will. So I I don't know at, at that organizational standpoint like how one like how do you respond to that? How do you or how might one or how how might you approach that knowing that it might change? In terms of AP, yeah, I, I think it's really talking to those students about, you know, here is the statement. We are going to present this statement in kind of our overall presentation to all mm -hmm. students, just in case they're in some AP course in one of the in one of the um, departments. Like, here's what AP says. This mm -hmm. is their stance. Here's why you have to be careful. Mm -hmm. um, and really, in AP seminar and AP research, it's going to take a lot more talking. So that those students understand that these are their exams. Their exams are their presentations and their papers. Mm -hmm. Here's what AP says. When you send in your final project to college board, they're going to look at it and they're also going to be under, they're going to look at it under this statement. Mm -hmm. So if there's any question, it really puts the student in a difficult position. And I've heard, you know, uh -huh. that that's happened at different schools and, you know, a student, you know, says, yes, I did. Or some students say, absolutely not. I never use anything. I don't know why the plagiarism mm -hmm. detector is, is saying that I right. did. And then what do you do? Mm -hmm. It's ugly. And, and, and also just like, I mean, for a research project at this point, like not using AIs, like just seems like kind of boneheaded. Um, and, and maybe they'll update this. Um, I, you know, it, it does provide an opportunity if you kind of, if you're kind of talking to students about this, I, I think, I think schools need to, a lot of schools, not all of them need to reevaluate what their, what their mission is or their, their value system, you know, that, um, it's not just about, about points and getting the GPA, like you're, you're actually there to work on a lot of things, right. That, that, you know, that kind of get, 
um, subsumed maybe a little bit like people don't talk about it so much but i mean um if, if you're trying if you're trying to learn then you should be able to use any tool that you can but if you're just trying to get points right that kind of detracts from the learning but this might be a kind of interesting thing is like all right here's why you don't want to use these tools because they interfere with the type of thinking i'm asking you to do right like maybe i do want you to struggle and and brainstorm your your own ideas for this one thing to learn how to do it right um i don't know as long as we're supporting students in that process i think we'll be okay and i think that's what it's about it's about how much we support the students as they go through that struggle how much mm -hmm. do we work side by side with them and then i think they they're willing to do the work yeah i think I sometimes think so. we have to put our faith in the students a little more as well okay just to shift us um a little bit we're, we're kind of in your role as a department head um do you think that ai is going to like help you make your job more efficient or your teacher's jobs more efficient and, and if not why and if, if so why i think we have to learn more about it but it will you know let's say i'm writing an evaluation you know i've been in a, a teacher's classroom I end up, you know, I'm stuck on how to say something. I end up in, you know, a couple other department heads offices going, here's what I saw, how, would you, how do you write this? And we spend time, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, but AI could probably figure out how to write it for me, um, which would be much faster. Dude, you just gave me an idea, Lauren. Like, what if you took like an AI system, uh, I think is it Speechify's one? It's like the one where like Snoop Dogg, you can use his voice or something. I've heard about this one, it's hilarious. You have to, I think, pay for it monthly. But like, I could imagine like a department head going in, clicking record, and then having it do the entire like um, lesson, and then have AI basically summarize what it is, and then analyze it, and like, and, and basically kind of write up your notes for you. Um, and then you're just doing any sort of like visual sort of observation, whatever. I think that could be really kind of fascinating, and maybe it would help you cut down time in terms of typing it up because you could just access to summarize and briefly kind of provide a, a synopsis of like what went on in the class based off the transcript that it creates yeah uh, and then you could go back through and say yep that checks out like that's accurate and you always have the transcripts so if you have to go back to it you can yeah uh, that would be fascinating i would think that that would save because i'm thinking you tell me like when you're drawing up say like reviews do you find that it, that it's kind of time intensive to kind of like sit and kind of think through what you're going to say or I would say for uh, every period, so 40 minutes I spend in a classroom, mm -hmm. if I'm writing something, it, it's at least two hours. Yeah. Wait, per to person. To really think of that feedback. It's a per person. Yeah. So if you could trim that even just an like an hour or down to 45 minutes, like yeah. wouldn't you, I would think you would do it, right? Be like, oh my mm -hmm. God, it's a million times more efficient. And like now it's not the, the job is actually more, 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 more manageable. That'd be fascinating. Yeah. I want to see yep. some department head try that out. I, I'm serious. Like, I don't want to talk to them. I want them on the show. <laughs> like, how did that go down? Yeah. I, I will say that I may or may not have dropped a very lengthy administrator email into chat GPT and asked it to give me the five main points, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just like corresponds within a building. Yeah. Or within a district. Yeah. Just like, give me the, the nuts and bolts. Right. Well, that's, that's a very CEO level sort of thing, right? That like, if you're CEO, you got a million things going on. You, you don't need to get bogged down in the details. You need the high level stuff. So like, just give me the, the basics and let's move on instead of just kind of giving us more information that we need. I, I think that that's fair. And Lauren's higher, uh, higher person. So that, that would make more sense as you move up, I think. And even helps me with, if we're writing something, you know, that's forward facing to the public, help right. make it concise, you know, help make sure that the grammar is correct. Mm -hmm. You know, all the things that we want to present ourselves, but sometimes when you're writing, you know, we all make errors. This will catch it for us before it goes out, yeah. um, which would be great. I, I did talk to a five, 504 coordinator in, in February. And on my phone, I, I, I kind of asked her, like, what's some of your writing that, that you do? And she's like, oh, we have to send like, like a 504 denial to a family. And so I just typed, you know, a real quick prompt. And then it's, I showed it to her and she goes, that is about what we say, but it takes us a week and a committee to write it. And she's like, oh, my God. Even teachers writing to parents, a student, you know, yeah. they're missing this assignment. Put it mm -hmm. in, it'll generate it for you. Yeah, Again, I keep on hoping sure for correct, like a... But... Wouldn't that be cool if the system, like, so we, we use uh, a system that is infinite pretty campus. clunky. And like if you, yeah, Infinite Campus, and if you use it, if there's a way you could somehow have it sync up to an AI thing that could see what's missing, what isn't, just say, 
based on the student's performance, like please draw up a yep. quick email to parents, a polite email, right? Mm -hmm. Indicate what's missing and what they need to do to get caught up. Boom, done, it's done in five, 10 seconds. And oh my God, that just saved me like at least probably 15, 20 minutes, if not more. It should be, yeah. it should be a, a very, an email. It should be a AI phone call. Hello, this is so-and-so high school. Um, calling call. you. Well, because, because there's always like some, not everyone has email, right? So there's the phone call. Right. And it, and it should just kind of kind of auto spam them like, you know, that the AI system says, hey, you are missing this assignment or currently blah, 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 blah. Right. Because because, you know, when when the semester ends, there's all those checklists like, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you call home? Did you email home? Did you do this? Right. And that would be a huge time saver. Just just the uh, your, your student received this grade, blah, blah, blah. Here's 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 the tools that they could use to, to help them access, you know, better stuff. Here's links to it. Um, then a follow up phone call is done. You know. All right. Uh, and any quick response to that, Lauren? We probably should wrap up. No, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think one of the things we're going to have to do is is really find out how the working world is using that, is using AI, and then that's what we bring down to our students because that's what they're going to need to know as they leave us. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna bring someone in that that streamlines um, companies, and um, we're going to talk to him about AI here in the next uh, couple months. So. Um, he, I think he's an architect because I, I, I was talking to him and I was like, wait, what are you doing? Right, because education just does education. All right, I'm, I'm gonna wrap up if, it's, if that's good. Um, Lauren, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. It sounds like uh, it's still everyone's everywhere with AI. Teachers, different departments are, are you know, different, different places. Um, there might be some, some wins for efficiency. There might be some um, wins and potential losses. Um, with students, um, especially with, with EL kids, we, you know, like what uh, there, that we might create a, a bigger gap rather than narrow the gap, right? Right now, everyone's hoping it's going to narrow the gap. But as you aptly pointed out, um, you have to have a lot of content knowledge to use it, to use it well. Um, there's, there's an ethics plagiarism discussion happening that I think is only getting rolling. And I think from what it sounds like, at least your department is at least, you know, kind of maybe ahead of the curve, um, trying to come up with it and discuss things with students. Um, it seems like it's just going to keep on kind of rolling on and um, we'll keep on having these discussions. Um, might be great to um, have you back on like in January, you know, like, like after a break and like, here's what we're changing. <laughs> you know, right? I'm so sure we, there we, will be things. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show. It's really great meeting it. you. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's it. That's it. Thanks for listening again this week. If you have any ideas, if you have uh, any comments, if you want to give us some insight on what your school is doing with policy or ethics or how you're using it or how you're streamlining, please drop us an email. It's in the show notes. Tweet at us on Twitter. Uh, shout out at uh, Pat and Facebook group. There's a Google form, I think, on the, IR, on the RSS website. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And as usual, if you enjoy this, you think it's worthwhile, please send it to some friends. Share it, like it, follow us. Have a good one.